It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We are brought to you by Seven Elements, and I'm your host, Kyle. With me, as always, is Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, you guys. So, boys, how are you feeling? Presentveld, their jersey for the Winter Classic today. Yeah, we actually just got our first look a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. They went with a throwback to the Dixie Flyers, essentially. Um, there is less gold, obviously, with it being a road jersey. So expect a lot of green from the, the Dallas Stars, but uh, I really like it. The lacing looks fantastic, so uh, it'll be in my cart as soon as they are available. Yeah, that was my big thing. I was like, I've always wanted a jersey with Nashville to have laces. It just seemed like we always just didn't get it, and now that we have a jersey with laces, I'm like, yep, I'm getting that. It's going in the collection. Yeah, this is probably the coolest one since that... Uh Blue and white one we like from a few yeah, years back. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. It's, it's quite subtle for yeah. us. So uh, It's nice to see something toned down, that gold, a little bit. It, it looks good. Yeah, the, the navy's a little... Uh, the splashes of navy are nice. Obviously, the middle, definitely reminiscent of the Dixie Flyers jersey. I would like to see a picture with the numbers on the back, though. Uh, I have not see seen that. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I really like the retro patches to the Winter Classic. On the, it, It's a really nice-looking jersey, so I'm very excited, to, and this will definitely be in the collection by the end of the year. I know some people were uh, already, got to love Preds Twitter, even Preds Facebook, already split down the middle. Some love it. Some absolutely hate it. Some wonder, why in the world is Adidas messing this up? They're not getting no creative input from the Preds, and it's like, guys... The Preds, of course, had plenty of input in this, and they wanted to do something to honor the history of hockey in Nashville, and the Dixie Flyers is a great one. It's Like I said, it's very simple, and to me, it's their best attempt to do something for a team that what would they have looked like if they had been one of the earlier teams or even back to the original teams almost back in the day? Yeah, I mean... I. Going back to the roots of Nashville hockey, I think is a great idea. And on top of it, just keeping it clean like it is. I mean, it, it looks fantastic. I think had it been reversed and we would have been doing a home jersey for the Winter Classic, you'd have seen a lot more gold, obviously. But at the same time, I, I'm I'm really digging this this away look. So uh, I I don't know. I don't see what the hate's for. It's pretty it's pretty simple. Well, I mean, you got to remember people that used to hate on the mustard cat jersey. They hated on the silver jersey. They hated the new Adidas jerseys. So it's like, but they don't do it just for the Preds. Every fan base hates changes to their own team's jerseys. Yeah, you forget. We haven't even got our third jersey yet, our alternate. So probably next year, it looks that's the rumors of a third jersey. So, I mean, we're getting another jersey on top of that, and then we're getting a third jersey. For the, I, I don't know. People are just complaining. We're getting a bunch of new different looks within about a year and a half. And Sean Henry said, that, of course, we're going to wear this on the Winter Classic game and we're going to at least wear it two more times. So get a couple good looks at it. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm wondering when they want to wear it during the regular season. 
It sounds like, you know, it probably won't be a Saturday game because those are the golden Saturdays. So I expect we'll probably see this either like on a Tuesday or a Thursday. But hey, they might surprise us and make it on a um, Saturday if it's a matinee game, especially. Yeah, maybe a throwback night. I know they do 90s night every year or something uh, on certain games. So I I think it'll be cool to mix it in occasionally. And like I said, we haven't even got our third jerseys yet. So I, I think people are just, I don't know, Twitter's Twitter's a rough place to be nowadays. But uh, can't please everybody. I know another group of people that's kind of find it hard to be pleased right now are the Jets because it comes out this week, uh, especially on the 31 Thoughts podcast by Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, that uh, Dustin Bufflin had uh, ankle surgery earlier this week. I'm sorry, the week before. And now the Jets are wondering if they're going to have to pay him or not. Yeah, I heard this is going to complicate the financial matters, apparently, according to if the injury was caused yeah, during play or if it was something the team was responsible for that's going to complicate the salary cap and how they pay him off to have him off and all that. I know one thing Freeman said is that more than likely everyone knows this was an injury that was sustained from hockey, so he will have to be paid. Now the yeah. question becomes, are the Jets wondering, do they got to pay him back from the time that yeah. he was injured or the start of the season or, you know, how are they going to do it? Like I said, Matt, it's going to be a real financial mess for them to get this figured out. Yeah, and they still don't even know if he's going to play again. They still yeah, don't know that. They're in a really bad spot in Winnipeg right now. Yeah. I, I'm surprised at how bad the tail-off has been for Winnipeg because their defense has been horrible this year. I mean, like you have Anthony Batetto starting like with top four minutes. You know, like It's pretty dire right now there. Um, losing Bufflin was huge, obviously, so I, I, they're wanting to get him off the cap for sure because they want to be able to pick up another defenseman towards the end of the you know, the trade deadline there. But I, I, it's really, really difficult right now in Winnipeg, and I just, I just don't see it getting any better anytime soon. Another team that's having some trouble already is Minnesota Wild. They are just not having a good time either. And former Pred Kevin Fiala was scratched for his second game. And the rumor is now that Minnesota could be looking to dump him off to another team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he's already there and he's already wanted you know, like to be gone. It, it's, it's almost unreal. Yeah. And also kind of the same story with Brent Seabrook in Chicago is a healthy scratch the other night. And that's not a good look considering that he's still got a couple years left on his contract. He gets paid a pretty hefty sum still. I mean, the guy won three cups for you, and you're sitting here scratching him like he's, you know, doesn't have anything to provide for the team. So interesting looks around the league right now. And another similar injury story is uh, Tarasenko was announced that he had shoulder surgery. He's going to be out like five months. Yeah, so, five months just for a reevaluation. Yeah, So probably more than that. Yeah. But like, uh, I, like I said, hey, last year the Blues didn't need a first half of the season anyway, so maybe they'll make make do without him uh, for this period of time. But that's that's a hit that you don't want to see. That sucks. Yeah, and don't forget Colorado also sustained two top-line injuries, Rantanen and Landeskog, both out at yeah. the same time. So it's just the McKinnon show right now for them. Uh, it, it's really crazy how many injuries have happened within the Central with our, you know just 12, 13 games in. Look at uh, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, both out yep. at the same time, and the yep. Predators were still winning. Pretty incredible to think about it. And I'm glad the Preds are getting their injuries out of the way now. But you got to think, these other teams are also glad that they're getting this done right out the gates. So that way we should go down to the stretch of the final part of the season that no one's really going to have to worry about these. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of these are going to linger. The Tarasenko one's going to be a bit. It looks like 
uh, Colorado will be dealing with theirs at least for a couple of weeks, maybe if, if not a month. The Kevin Fiala situation, who knows how long that's going to last. I mean, I, I can't believe already they're re- willing to come out and say, yeah, he's he's willing to be traded. Like, we're, we're willing to trade him right now. Like, he's just gotten there. So, uh, not even a full year yet for Fiala. Well, you know, that brings into mind something interesting that Jonathan Taves came out and said the other day. He suggested a new travel schedule uh, instead of playing one-off games, playing going to Minnesota for one game, then traveling to New York, he suggested playing teams two or three games in a row. And in doing so, he showed a sample schedule, and in doing so, it would reduce flights by about 40%, and the miles traveled by about 30%. And that might lead to fewer injuries, a little less wear and tear on the on the players' bodies. So that might be something interesting looking at going forward. I think if I'm a player, yeah, reduce the miles, reduce the wear and tear. Uh, that's a great idea if I'm a player. Now, I don't know from a league standpoint, viewership, I don't think that's quite as exciting uh, to watch. But if I'm a player, I'm definitely going for that. Yeah, there were actually mock-ups online to show like potential series like between teams. And, and they were very interesting on in the fact that it reduced travel greatly. The fatigue would be way less on the players, obviously. But as you said, I don't know as a fan – it probably wouldn't stick as well. And they would be taking on a more baseball format, obviously, and um, baseball numbers are way down. (laughs) So I don't think they want to try to emulate the baseball format right now. Yeah, I was in D.C. for my honeymoon uh, earlier this week when the uh, Nationals won their World Series championship. And might say baseball is down, but don't tell D.C. that. They threw a good party when the Nationals won. Yeah, but that's the only thing about baseball. Like, I feel like no one shows up to the postseason. I mean, that's just how it is with a, a decent amount of sports. But at the same time, like baseball numbers or attendance for regular season games, you can always find tickets. Like it's it's not that difficult. Uh, I mean, most people don't want to go see a four-hour match between, you know, Tampa Bay and <laughs> and some downtrodden team. Like it's just going to be interesting to see like if the league would take a look at that, but I highly doubt they are ever going to make any drastic change to what their current schedule is. Yeah, I doubt they will either because I know that even right now, they're already getting the schedule set for next season. And I've heard that is extremely complicated and to the point that even some of the teams are having to go to the, the, like, the master schedule maker and say, hey, can you give us a little break here or a little break there? And so to change the format from, you know, you know, the way that current is now to basically, you know, say a three game series against the Preds and the Blackhawks in Chicago, that's going to throw everything off because the arenas are scheduled differently yep. than the baseball stadiums. And I read a stat that said over this season, all of the NHL team stadiums are averaging a 94% uh, attendance rate for what their capacity is. So that's a great, they're selling tickets. I don't really think they're going to want to mess with that at all. And it just kind of stinks a little bit for the players. Yeah, Jonathan Taze has a great idea, but you're hired to do a job and you get wear and tear on your body. You're a professional athlete. That's just kind of the price it takes, I think. Well, here's the deal. If you think about it, baseball stadiums are specifically for baseball. They aren't used for anything else. Bridgestone Arena is used for, like, everything. Tons of concerts in Nashville. You have... WWE, you have motocross event. I mean, March Madness. March Madness is used because like that week for uh, I think it's the SEC tournament every year. It's like a full week. The Preds are on the road. And uh, CMA Fest. Uh, and town. CMA. So you got to think that it it 
just wouldn't be viable for most hockey venues because they're not used for just hockey. They're used for multiple teams usually, might be basketball as well. And then on top of that, it, how are you going to be able to schedule three or four games in a row yeah, with, have to with concerts out. and everything. It's just not feasible. Yeah, so, you'd have to have block time at that arena for like a week straight, and that's just not yeah, going to happen. If we had dedicated hockey arenas, it'd be super easy to do, but it's just I, I, it'll never be feasible in my mind. So before we get into the uh, Preds section of the show, I want to say real quick, did you guys see Svechikov's lacrosse goal the other day? Oh, yes. Michigan goal, baby. Michigan. I didn't know. First one ever to be pulled off in the NHL. Apparently, a guy from Michigan University was the first one to do it, I guess. That's why they call it a Michigan goal. Didn't know that. I had to do a little research on that, watch the video of it. But this is the one famously that uh, Forsberg tried a year or two ago, almost got it, but didn't quite get it. Forsberg's was even more modified because he was doing it on the backhand, like around the goal. Had had he done that, that would have been like next level right there but it was kind of controversial this Svechnikov goal because yeah a great lacrosse style goal but he like whacked the goalie in the head on the way by and there was like oh that shouldn't have counted and all that and we were thinking but still man this might be the goal of the year and then until like two days later when Matthew Kachuk yeah that's <laughs> Matthew Kachuk puts in freaking one between the legs in OT to win the game from a pretty sizable distance away from the net. I just couldn't believe how much pace he got on it. You know what I mean? Like, usually in between the, net, the leg shots are just, they're just tricky, but they fool the goaltender, but they're not strong. He was full on, like, driving to the net. Obviously, there's one second left. So, I, I feel like there's some bit of luck to this because, obviously, he's wanting to put it on net. He just goes for it. And my goodness, it's top corner, top shelf. I mean, it was really impressive. I didn't even know. I didn't know what happened. He went through I didn't the either. legs until they were saying it on the replay a couple of times. I was like, oh, really? He went through the legs? Oh, man, I didn't even notice. And you have to go and watch it. It's very smooth, very quick. Very and no fast. wonder it, it fooled uh, the goaltender. I mean, no doubt. That was incredible. That right there, you thought the Svechnikov goal was goal of the year. This Matthew Kachuk goal is going to be goal of the year. I'm putting it down. You can call it. You can call it a candidate, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be goal of the year. The only thing that detracts from it being goal of the year in my mind is because we do see several in-between-the-legs goals. Yeah. Uh, We've already seen three or four, actually, in-between-the-leg goals this year already, and there will be more in-between-the-leg goals this year. Will they be as strong as the Kachuk one? Probably not. I, I, it is definitely going to be the best in between the leg goal. But the problem is, are you going to see another Michigan goal? That's true. And you have to think, that has never happened. That's true. In the NHL. Yeah, it's so happened I, on every level except NHL, and so now f- here it is. So for me, I have to lean towards the Michigan goal just because the, for the fact it this is the first time ever. All right, I'll give you that. But, I have to agree. But, but on top of that, like... I'm not taking away from Kachuk because it was literally a thing yeah. of beauty. They're both I mean, two of the best. It's going to be in the whole year within a couple of days apart. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm kind of split either way, but I'm going to go with Daniel. I think the Michigan goal was going to get it. Just just by precipice that it's never been done before, I'm going to give it to the Michigan. But I'm not taking anything away from Kachuk. That was, it was a thing of beauty. I watched it over, like they were playing it too afterwards, and I'm like, just like my mouth was dropping on the floor. Oh, I'm like, that was so smooth. It was just, and of course, like with one second, you, that's it. You just got to go for it. And he went for it and it worked. So, well, that whole game on Halloween night was just something else. I mean, the Preds basically blow a third period lead, allow Calgary to get back into the game and lose it six to five. I mean, it was just a rough game. 
But, you know, there were some players that had good nights in that game. You know, Nick Benino gets his fourth consecutive goal after having the previous Hattie. game. Hattie. I don't even know what's going on with Benino right <laughs> yeah, now. That's crazy. <laughs> He's resurging. But also, note, all of his goals have been right in front of the goal. They've all been down and dirty, right in the slot. I mean, he's right there. That's, that's as Matt would say, those junkyard dog goals where he's just fighting for the puck, and he's gotten them in every single time. I mean, that alone, you know, his four consecutive goals he got makes him, you know, the goal leader right now with seven goals. I mean, we're, we're recording this episode before the game today, the matinee game. And so, you know, it's a Saturday afternoon, and I was looking at him going, I wouldn't have thought the scene Benino as the goal leader. Yeah, I just kind of shook my head. I didn't realize that. Well, Forsberg has been out like almost half the season. <laughs> he, he was out like seven games so far, six or seven games. So uh, at the injury, Forsberg was averaging like a goal per game. So it's going to take him a little bit, you know, to get back after this, you know, get his his ice legs back but once I, I don't know it, it's just it is what it is because the team is scoring so much and the and the depth lines have actually been yeah. really producing i read last week that there's been 17 different scorers for the preds already and they lead the nhl already and they've had the most 5v5 goals their their depth scoring is great and good thing it needs to be because you know forsberg is out duchene was out yeah, desperate that, time calls for desperate measures, so it's nice to know that you got some guys on the second and third line or whatever that can step up and make things happen when you're when your main guy's out. Yeah, Ellis is the points leader with with fourteen right now. He has been killing it this year. He's on a point per game basis. Him and Yossi, basically. I know the other day they were talking about uh, both of them were at thirteen points, and they were the first combination since nineteen ninety three. Since Phil, Phil Housley, Olison, or something. Yeah, how what a great combo that was. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about elite category as far as defensive pairing. So they are off to a hot start. Uh, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible. You know what? Contrast that, though. I read this tweet from Adam, Adam Vindigan said, before Thursday's game against Calgary, Johansson had had zero goals in eight games. RV had two goals in seven games. Duchesne, zero in six games. Granlund, zero in seven games. Which so, is scary for other teams because we're still leading the league as far as goals per game. We still lead the league in goals per game at over four. Number one in the NHL despite our top paying guys. If, you know, really, uh, it's kind of sad. Yeah, we're doing great on depth scoring, but what's up with our main guys here too at the well, same time? two of them have been injured. Yeah. The second I, line. I'll give them a pass. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's also a good thing knowing that okay, our top two lines basically dried up and then we have our third line basically step and go, you know what, we got you guys until you guys get back into form. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say this, though. Like, the Blackhawks game, like, Johansson got robbed twice. Like, Lettner was playing out of his mind that game. I mean, we were at 52 uh, shots on goal. And had it not been for Lettner, it would have been 10, 12 to 0 in that game. So I felt like that was a game where both of them could have one. Arvey had a pass from Duchesne in the slot on the power play that was just robbed. I mean, they're getting good looks still. It's going to go in. Just wait for it. And now the now that Forsberg and Duchesne are back, they're, they can form that chemistry again and you know try to get over their injuries, you'll see the second line start kicking it back up again. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet, the big news since we last talked was the Preds have a couple re-signing to do here. But wait, you're forgetting one of our players. You forgot your croak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Too short. He's the other night, your my boy. boy. <laughs> so the other day in our group, Matt's like, Yarncrock on the first line. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this. Like, this is a shame. Blah, 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 blah. Just went on and on. And then, like, during the game the other night, first of all, he tweets out, man, the Preds look good tonight. 
wrong mistake number one because instantly they just went in the the toilet for the third period and then two I was like what do you mean he was like oh I gotta give my boy yarn croc some love and I was like what are you talking about the other day you literally said he shouldn't be on the first line he gets two two shorties and I don't know yeah it was pretty funny yeah I know we were we were giving him a hard time so but sorry, Matt. I had to be sure we got Yarncroc yeah. history before we went on to Yossi. Thank you. Yes. Hey, for you have to admit in. though, Yarncroc's been on a point per game pace. Yeah. Since we were like giving him, you know, I think the first two or three games he was trying to find his way, but he's looking really good now. And those two shorty goals, you have to admit, they were snipes. I'm talking yeah. like bar down. So, hey, he's coming in to play. I, I, the Preds, are, with the, results. The, the Preds are looking good. If if you're getting players like Yarncroc and Benino and Watson are stepping up, and then your top lines still are finding their way and overcoming injury, this team looks scary. They could score five points a game. I mean, easy. So uh, you have to be liking where it's tr- uh, tracking right now for the Predators. All right, Matt. So I interrupted you. You want to get back to our scheduled segment here? The biggest news. Yes, the big news is that the Preds re-signed Captain Roman Yossi to a new deal here. Oh, Captain, my Captain. And it was a big deal, too. You know, he's 29 years old, gets an eight-year, $72.472 million contract, <laughs> which equals out to $9.059 million a year. Very uh, crafty on his part, Five nine. That's apparently been a thing. A lot of deals recently are getting signed with having their player's number in the contract in either the annual value or the total value. I feel like that's adding a lot of extra math there in the uh, calculations, but hey, good on him, yeah. It's whatever, but at the same time, did we all think this deal was going to get done for under 10, to be honest? I mean, if looking at Dowdy and Carlson's contract at 10 and uh, I think it's, 10.5 million yeah. or 11.5 million I believe I think there's like it's 11 three. and 11.5 million yeah. for those those contracts actually so to be under 10 is quite staggering considering at one point during the year he was combined Carlson and Dowdy's points if yep. you combine both their points Yossi was on yeah like he had already outpaced both of them and he leads the league in zone exits zone entries and rush scoring chances so to get him, yeah, signed a deal cheaper than them, good call. You know, everybody knows that I don't really like long-term deals. Big contracts scare me, but this is one of the most stable ones I've, I feel in, in quite a while. I really like the deal. Uh, of course, it's always the case. It looks good now. It's The problem is, you know, five, six years in the future, you can't really see. But uh, I don't really see this one going south for Nashville or for Yossi. I think this is a good deal. Got him in at a good rate. Uh, he's a he's a good producer. He's the backbone of the freaking Predators franchise. Come on, man. This is a good deal here. I thought another thing, too, was you were talking about, you know, the value of his contract and stuff. With Tennessee's, you know, how we do our taxes and stuff, even though his contract is does not equal overall everybody else, the overall value of his contract gives him the highest gross of any defenseman in the NHL because of where he's playing at in Nashville. Yeah, that that no state income tax is so valuable for us for lure, like luring players in because we can pay you less cap wise, but you're still making more technically salary wise. And uh, I, I mean, he wanted to be here too. And also, oh, this was a great stat. So Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, and Matthias Ekholm all are signed for 19 million dollars right now <laughs> let that Pretty let good. that sink in 
And by the way, Ellis and Yossi were leading the league with like points. You know, they were tied 13. And now Ellis has 14 points for the team, only making 6 mil per year. And then on top of it, you have them all at least signed through that 2021 season at 19 million. And we've seen another interesting part where Yossi gets a no-movement clause. Yes. And Duchesne got one a couple. Well, his is modified. Right. It's not a full no movement. But historically, the only people to have such a clause for Nashville has been Pecorine. And now you're seeing the neck, the latest two guys that get signed have some version of that. Very interesting. I think somebody on Twitter had asked David Poyle if he's had some type of uh, shift in his theory on how to sign people or whatever. He said, no, these were just special exceptions to the rules. You know, nothing changed in how I deal out contracts. These were just special situations. But it's very interesting. Yeah, I don't think Poyle wants to move people. Like, when he signs someone, he obviously doesn't want to move you, you know? Like, that's not his thought process. But he likes to have the option to be able to deal somebody if it goes south or if he needs to to improve the team. So, you got to think, Peck here in a few years is going to be gone. I I mean, that's the sad reality. Probably three to four years, he's out. Maybe even sooner. Yeah, I mean, well... Actually, honestly, I think after two more years, you might see Saros take over as the regular goaltender, like starting goaltender, and Peck might come in as like a, a backup role for a year or two. And I I, per, I could see that, especially if we haven't won a cup. Now, if we win a cup in the next year or two, uh, I think Peck's looking at it like, well, I've already won my cup, you know, might be time for me to head on out and let the youngins take my place. So his no movement is gone. So technically, I feel like Yossi's is taking the place of Peck's no movement clause because... Yossi's going to be here a while. We want him here. He's also our captain, you know, and they feel like they have signed a really good person. Uh, I mean, I really like Yossi, too. He's got that Swiss attitude, you know. Actually, it was funny. In the press conference, he said, we hope you age like Roger Federer and continue (laughs) to win because, like, you know, Fed's like 36 now, just killing it still. So, uh, I mean, there's something about those Swiss players. So, um, And here's an interesting question for you. So we know without a doubt that the very first number Nashville's going to retire is Pecorine. No question. Oh, yeah. Do you think Yossi's number will get get retired eventually? Yes. Yeah, he's next in line for sure. Yeah, just by sheer points alone, captain, you know, being a captain for that amount of time, uh, I'll have to go back to check, but I'm pretty sure this will now put him as captain for the longest, the longest. period of time in, Pre- yeah, in Preds franchise that. history. Um by the time it's all said and done, there's no telling how many points he's going to rack up as a predator. I mean, it's it's going to be a lot, especially at nine mil. That that's the thing that kills me. Like I did not think we were getting him for under ten. I I thought it was ten, ten, five, but the, I think the kicker was the no movement clause for him to sign at he a. Cheaper. Honestly, probably I was looking at some stats. He he really is the best puck moving defenseman in the league. That there's just the way it is, and. <laughs> And that's tough to say for, for yeah, outside. I'm, I'm uh, tough on defensemen because that's my, that's my position there. That's the people I like the most. But he, that's him, man. That He's the guy. And good job on you, David Boyle, to sign him. This is a good look for Nashville right here. This is a contract I'm not scared of. But also, with contracts, there was another contract announced, oddly, in the middle of a game the other night. Honestly, I haven't seen that in a long time where that's happened. Yeah, it was kind of like what did did we just do what because my first thought was did he sign it in the middle of the game (laughs) yeah i mean i i don't know maybe in between an intermission just sign the dotted line with Poyle. i i'm sure that it got signed before the game and then they were like okay we'll just announce it like during the period because i thought that was kind of cool you know 
uh, gave everybody a little boost. Not to mention Watson a boost for the game. Two goals, two assists on his night where he signs, which looks really good considering he signed for only $1.5 million. First career four-point night for him as well. Yeah, total his contract will be a three-year $4.5 million. In 266 games, he's had 33 goals, 36 assists for, ironically, 69 points. I tell you what, though, the last several years, he's looked even better, though. I know his off-the-ice stuff, that happened. It seems like he's really recovered from it, and he's doing quite well, honestly, here. Um, I think that also leads to why we got him so cheap, because, you know, that's going to be argued (laughs) uh, with the agent. Hey, your guy has that off the ice issues, so we have to get him at a decent price. He wants to still be in Nashville because he likes it here. So we signed him at a very low $1.5 million for three years. And then on top of it, you, you got to think, Watson is that person. He might not be lighting up the scoreboard, <laughs> exception the other night, but when it comes to like penalty kill, shot blocking, he's the best on our team like by far I don't know how many shots he blocks per game but it's always like you know like you see the shot coming and like Watson's like completely laying out to block that shot he's becoming a bit of a grinder he's kind of like a Cody McLeod that doesn't suck really oh yeah well he's a way better skater he has a way better shot he's faster uh he's huge uh, on top of that I mean he's just a big dude so uh, I'm very happy with that signing too, because that allows us, by the way, that gives us right at $12 million cap space still, um, between for next year. And that's assuming the cap doesn't raise and your two biggest people that you have to sign is Granlin and Smith. So now you have at least 12 million to get both of those done. So I think, uh, I think we'll take Granlin before we take Smith though. Yeah. Granlin's he's really starting to come in on his own. He looks more comfortable this year. Uh, now that he's had you know a full training camp with us, uh, that he's looked great with Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg. So I wager he will get signed. I wager we still want to sign Smith as well because Smith just he has 20 goals per year. That's what he is good for. He's not good for any more. He's not good for any less. He's 20 goals and he's streaky as all get out. He'll score like three in a week, three or four in a week. And this has always been his play. James Neal was kind of the similar way. A uh, very streaky player. But at the same time, I think they're going to try to get both of them done. They're going to want to try to get both of them, honestly, at like 10 or 11. So they have a couple mil of space to try to sign some of these other free agents because you're going to probably want Rocco back um, just because of how incredible he's been. I, I mean, we do have a lot of unrestricted free agents by the end of this year, but there's some are gone. Like Salty, see ya. Are you sure, though? No, I, I do not want him back. I know, I He's know, gone. but Poyle seems to really like him because everyone was excited when Salty started the year in Milwaukee. People were like praising him going, we finally got rid of him, and then injuries happen, and then here comes Salty back, and you can see he has not went back down. He's looked good. I will give him that. He's looked way better than he has in several years, but at the same time, like if you sign him, you got to sign him at another like $1 million. Like it, it can't be another um, – you know, $1.5, $2 million contract. No, Salty is not getting a million dollars. I mean, like right now, he's $750,000. I think if anything, that's what he'll get again. Maybe eight. But I don't see him getting a million dollars at all. No, not not happening. Yeah, it'll just be interesting because, like I said, with that cap space, like I said, we're about at $12 million. And obviously, Granlin and Smith are going to be your biggest ones right here in the middle here. And they're both making almost at 
10 million. Actually, it's funny because their combined contracts are 10 million, but that's kind of where we want them right now, unfortunately. And I think some of these are going to get bumped up a little bit depending on their play. So you're kind of hoping this year that Smith and Granlin don't have big seasons, kind of, because because you just want to sign them currently at their contract. And also, you know, since we're talking about cap space, you got to look down to the defensemen. Our uh, perennial third pairs, Dan Hamhues, Yannick Whipper, and Matt Irwin are all becoming UFA at the end of the season. And I think if we keep any of the three, I think they're going to keep Dan. Yeah, Dan, I don't know. The, the crazy part is, I'm not going to lie, Matt Irwin has looked better the last two, three games. He's looked better the more he's played. I will give him that. His first couple games were garbage. Yeah. Now, I, towards the end of the season, I would like to pull up all three of their stats to see where they are as far as plus minus and Corsi rating. I'm sure it'll still be pretty abysmal, but I'm I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see the Weber Irwin battle because I think either these two are basically fighting it out for another contract this year, and one of them's gone for sure. So since we last recorded also, we've played played about several games, and I think we recorded on the 21st last time, and since then we've played the Ducks, we've played the Wild, we went down to Tampa, we came back home and played Chicago, and we played Calgary uh, a couple days ago, and today we're playing New York. You know, now excluding the New York game, because I'm going to go ahead and say I, I'm calling this now, even though the game's going to happen after we do this. I think the Preds are going to beat New York. The you Rangers. Just did it. You just said you it. Just said it. <laughs> Matt, like Matt's tweet the other night, man, they're playing good tonight. <laughs> it's done. We're losing. So, like I said, excluding that game, uh, the last five games we played or so, what games have stood out to you as good games? You know, honestly, probably the most recent two, the the Calgary game and the Chicago game, really kind of stick out. You guys mentioned the Preds fell apart against Calgary in the end, but let's kind of go back to the beginning of that Calgary game. If you look, the Preds pretty much dominated Calgary on on the shots on goal. Uh, you know, Benino opens up the scoring after having a hat trick in the last game. You know, this is the game during the middle of uh, – maybe it was just a second period. Austin Watson's contract gets announced. Yon Kroc has two shorthanded goals this game, and that's 10 points in 10 games for Yon Kroc. We mentioned how good he's been doing lately. But – it's kind of like a story of two games. In the third period, different story. The Flames come out, they get a goal right uh, towards the beginning of the period. Get a lucky bounce, one off a of skate for number three. And when, when that one went in, I knew we were in trouble. And, and Preds, you know, kind of have a history of turtling a little bit, not really keeping the foot on the gas pedal. So it, it's really a combination of, you know, Preds probably sat back a little bit. And also, you really don't want to sit back on a team that's got so much young talent like the Flames. And that's, that's what I said. You're going to look at a guy like Kachuk or Gaudreau to get a get a lucky skill goal there at the end, and, and that's exactly what happened. It was a crazy third period for the Flames. It blew up. It actually turned out to be quite a good game, uh, one that went to OT, but that Matthew Kachuk, uh, you know, he ended the story there for us. One that really shouldn't have went to OT to begin with. Oh, yeah. 4-1 lead, you, you should be able to lock it down. And this is – we had Frosties – that game frosty goal big matt goal and you still hung a big l on the scoreboard yeah that's crazy at least you can uh eat your uh, loss away that's <laughs> that's true yes drown my sorrows and it was funny because kachuk actually scored both the yeah. goal to the tie, tie it yeah. with 30 seconds which was another lucky bat because like peck had got the initial stop and the rebound literally came to kachuk on the side of the net i mean it was just it was their night to come back uh, and also historically 
we are terrible against the Flames at home. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I, I was sitting there thinking during the game because I'm like, man, we're we're always so bad against the Flames. I can't remember the last time we won. I can't. I couldn't remember. I think at home, like and it, 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 we're one like for one in or six so. or one in seven now. Uh, and the, it was funny because they flashed that stat up on the TV like after they had come back, and I'm like, of course, yeah, because <laughs> I'm like, it's just that's just how it is with the Flames. And the funny part is, we're really good at playing the Flames at the Saddle Dome too. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's such a weird series with the Flames, and that like home field advantage means nothing uh, with these teams. Um, it, I just laugh at how these weird matchups happen like we're terrible against the red wings we're terrible against the coyotes and then we do like you know like the oilers we crush the oilers and they have mcdavid and dry sidle uh, i don't know it's just weird and other teams have similar run-ins with other teams like as well their interactions are like oh we can't get over the hump with this team and it's, it's just really strange how that happens in hockey um but it's a thing and we could not get over the hump with the flames again again in our own arena well, like you said, they're a team that we just struggle against quite a bit, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm sitting here while you're talking about it, thinking about it, and I'm going, man, I really hadn't thought about that, of how bad we'd struggled against them, until I remember one of the very first games I saw when I really started watching hockey several years ago was a Dallas game, which we came back and beat them, and then a Flames game, which, as a home, and we lost. Yeah, I actually remember that game. Uh, I, I don't know if I went with you, but I... I Every Flames game at home, I'm kind of like, do I want to go? Do I not want to go now? Because like the last two or three that I've gone to, we've lost. So I'm just kind of like, whatever. It's the same thing with the Red Wings. It's like, do I go to that game? Because we always lose against the Red Wings. So, I, I, you know. And then also the other game, like you said, Matt, was the Chicago game. And it seems like ever since the Preds came back and swept them, they just, their, their downfall has just been like They're broken. Yeah. 2017 broke them first round. They're done. They're broken. They can't seem to find their footing. And you got issues with Seabrook. And it's like, this is a team that, you know, they did so good for so long. And now it's just so weird to see this team in just such a dire strait. Consolation prize. They did win three cups. (laughs) So that was a nice little stretch they had. So uh, I'll give it to them. But it just looks like you're seeing the last dying breaths of the that original hawks team like seabrook they really are they're scratching uh kane is now getting older taze is getting older at it, it's just sad they've been great players for a while i just don't see them winning another cup before they retire um unless they get rid of them and they move to another team which i could possibly see them trying to opt like towards the end of their contracts just being like we're selling the farm we're getting more draft picks full rebuild mode um it just doesn't look good right now. I don't even know if I don't, I don't want to be like critical, but by the end of the year, you might have another new Blackhawks coach because they are, they are doing terrible. I think the year. coach will say, but look here, cap friendly says as of right now, the Chicago Blackhawks only have $119,000 in cap space. That's Oh my God. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty bad right now for them. And look, they're missing several draft picks. I mean, you got you have Kane and Taze just taking up twenty, uh, actually twenty one million by themselves. <laughs> so, and they're on monster contracts too. <laughs> that's Dude. the that's the. And by the way, they're also both no movement. Look here, I, we mentioned Seabrook earlier. He's taken almost seven mil a year, and you're setting him on the bench. 
That's crazy. And by the way, look, he's signed through the 2040. He's got, what, four or five years left? Forty At 34 age. Yeah. At the age of 34. And that's he's, crazy. hey, by the way, he's got, also got a full no movement. Yeah, that's, hey, that's a good hey, deal. And do you think Taze? No movement. See, that's what I'm talking about. That looked really good when they were winning cups when they signed him. And then now fast forward five or six years, and you're you're sitting a guy on the bench as a scratch who's making almost $7 million a year because you just can't see the future. Look at Keith. Duncan Keith is 5.5 at 36, and he's still got all the way to 2023, 20, 24. And then you got Corey With Crawford. With a no movement. 34. And he's got a no movement modified, and he's taking $6 million. They're not looking really good on the cab right now. And unfortunately, uh, that's a situation that you really can't bail out with talent. That takes time to get off the books, and that kind of sucks. But that, that's the way it is. But, uh, I uh, mean, their top two defensemen and their top two forwards, as far as salary cap, all four of them have no movements. And their top goalie, no movement. And, and that's what you see when a team really loads up for a cup run. They, get, they trade all their assets away, sign all the big deals, and that works really good for about a year or two. And then in the future, that really comes back to bite you on the backside. And, and that's what the Blackhawks are dealing with right now. It's unfortunate. But you mentioned that game. Of course, we smoked them. That was a 3-0 game. We absolutely dominated oh on the shots. Over 50 shots on goal for Nashville. They had fi- we had 51 shots on goal, and they had 24 blocked shots. Yeah, that's saying something. Not only did we dominate them, but the Preds were really clicking on offense that game. That, that was a good look. And if it hadn't been for Lettner, I'm just saying, that game would have been 12-0. I, I mean, all the high-danger sh- shots that he saved were impressive. And on top of he robbed Johansson twice. Like I said, RV another time. I, I felt like every line had a like breakaways and chances it was non-stop I, I think yeah it, it was by far the most complete game I think I've ever seen well it was just pure domination I don't even know how to explain it even Peck said it, that was the easiest shutout he's ever had well I like what Tave said here because you know Robin Lehner you know he's keeping him in the game I like what Tave said he goes quote he would come to the bench and always had something positive to say despite the fact we were pretty much hanging him out the dry every single shift he had some huge stops and he admitted it could have been a 10-0 game if it wasn't for him. So Scott Powers, who covers the Blackhawks in Chicago, had a great tweet. He said, I've been watching the Blackhawks game at my own pace at home, cutting, clipping, and tracking some stats. I'm only through two periods, but I, th- I don't think I've seen many worse games from the Hawk since I've been on the beat. It's, it was complete domination. Absolute in every single way. Their captain was like, it could have been 10-0 to had it not been for Lettner, who played incredibly. Even Peck recognized it. He said, the only reason why that game was close was because of Lettner. Like, Pekka realized, like, this guy was playing incredible over there. Um, I, yeah, that game, you want to take that game and you want to replicate that for all 82 because one of the most dominant games I've ever seen, Lavi even said, as a coach, that is the most dominant performance he's ever seen in a game, where it's been so lopsided. It didn't even look, it didn't even look like it was an NHL team, honestly. On the other side, it looked like it was like AHLers, which is crazy because Kane and Taze is still on that team, and then you also scratch Seabrook, as we were saying. So it was funny before the game, I actually had a quote that came from Kane on Yossi because they, you know, obviously had signed it just right before, so they were um, talking about it, and they asked him about the signing in the locker room. And he said, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, That's news to me. Congrats to him. He's a great player 
and uh, has obviously had a great start to the year for them. I think he's over a point per game and really carrying the offense. I skated with him in the summer a little bit. Really talented. He's not like an unbelievably fast skater. He's just good with his edges. He's really good at manipulating defenders and wingers that are covering him a lot on the point. He's pretty successful at that. Tough guy to play against, too. So he's pretty competitive. That's good for Nashville. Tough for Chicago that he'll be here for that long. That was from Kane. Well, hey, game respects game. Kane's been good. Obviously, mad respect for Yossi. Yeah, and I, I have to completely agree. He's definitely not the fastest player, but the way he like is just so smooth on his skating and, and, and kind of what Matt was going back to, exits. He's so good at exiting the putt. He's so good at passing. Uh, our scoring rush chances with him, he's first in the league as far as defensemen are concerned. That like He is just such an incredible offensive, defensive player, and I just can't get over that we signed him at $9 million. So I'm, I'm still very stoked about the contract. And the big question, do you think he will be nominated for the Norris? I don't know. Well, this year you have some weird anomalies going on right now, like like Carlson. Yeah, he's it's just tearing it up too, he's killing it as far. So if you're going by point wise, I think Carlson's going to get it. I, I just he's I've heard that a lot too. He's just like unreal right now. Now he could completely tail off and be like his normal self for the rest of the year, and then Yossi could catch up. I I don't know. Uh, honestly, you have to throw in Ellis too right now he's he's above Yossi points right now so I I think it's too early to say and I think long term I think Yossi will be in that mix obviously because he is going to be a consistent he's going to hit 60 points 70 points easy so we will we will see towards it we will revisit that towards the end of the year but I I don't think I, I don't think he gets it this year just because of some weird anomalies so Well, we've got a few minutes before we close the showdown. So, Matt, do we have any milestones we need to talk about? Yeah, I've got a little bit of that and a couple uh, discussion points we'll talk over real quick. Uh, It was also mentioned uh, that New Jersey Devils Taylor Hall went on record uh, after a game and said, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're battling our own fans right now. We were uh, one for three on the power play and we're getting booed. And it's a tie game and we're getting booed. That's a tough environment to play in. And that kind of sucks to hear as, as a fan. I mean, I'm sorry, as a player, you're, you're playing in your home arena for your boys and you're sitting here getting booed by your crowd in a tie ball game. Jersey, bro. Yeah, That's Jersey brutal. for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say that because, I mean, obviously Nashville has great fans and there's no way we would be doing stuff like that with our team. Like One for three, you're 33% on the power play that night. <laughs> like I don't know what more you want like it's just yes you're losing and it's frustrating but I don't I don't know and I know that's got to be frustrating too because PK just went there and I'm sure he's like oh wow he just went from Preds fans to Jersey fans so uh get ready for massive criticism if you think Preds fans are you know critics on Twitter I'm sure Jersey fans on Twitter are just as brutal if not more yeah life comes at you fast sometimes um, but that's got to be difficult because you got to think Taylor Hall said that, and he's also going to be an unrestricted free agent. Do you think that is going to weigh on him staying there? Of course it is. Yeah. Like, do you want to stay in that environment? I'll be surprised if he stays in Jersey. Yeah. I, I'm going to be very shocked if he does. So I, I don't think they're keeping him. Uh, I think this reload has been short lived. They got PK, you know, they get, 
they get Hughes and they're like, oh, it's going to be incredible. Well, Hughes has been terrible in his starts. Taylor Hall is probably gone next year, so get ready. <laughs> and they're also like one of the worst in the league right now. That's kind of a bad situation in, in New Jersey right now. Compare that to uh, the New York Islanders, who are actually on an eight-game win streak. So they're kind of quietly in third place in the Metro right now. So they're climbing the leaderboard. Good on them because whatever they're doing, it just seems to be working right now. And I guess lastly, I'll mention a couple milestones. Uh, Connor McDavid played his 300th game the other night, and he is averaging 1.31 points per game. And that ties uh, Marcel Dion for fifth best all-time through the first 300 games. Also, Marc-Andre Fleury passes Terry Sawchuk for seventh all-time in wins. And John Carlson, we talked about how good the defensemen have been doing lately. Ovechkin said John Norris the other day, uh, because of that, he is the second D-man in history to lead the league in points through 23 days of the season. The only other defenseman to do so was Bobby freaking Orr. And it's really no shock considering he's third in the league in points right now. He actually is tied with Connor McDavid in points. Yeah. Has more points than Alex Ovechkin, Brad Marchand, you know, you go down the McKinnon, list. McKinnon, Pedersen, Stone, Eichel, Crosby, Wa- uh, Matthews. How he's crazy is that? Third in the league in points. He's been f- playing lights out. It is definitely John Norris currently. I talk about how good to go- him and Yossi is just the one and two punch, man. They're just killing it for defense right now. You know what's crazy, though, is I was looking at his stats, and he's only ever had a 70-point season. He's never had anything above a 70-point season. And in 2016-2017, he only scored 37 points total, and he's already wow. got 23 in this year. It just it shows you how hockey's changing, man. These puck moving defensemen that get out on the offensive side of the ice, they really bring extra value to the team and, and help get them on the score sheet. And, and that's changing the record books for sure. Do you think he can sustain this throughout the whole year, though? Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I mean, I, I think he cools down some because I mean, this, this You're is not gonna, insane. A defenseman is not going to lead the league in points, but he's playing lights out. He, he's going to he's going to have to back off a little bit, but he's probably going to be one of the leaders on that team at least. But like I said, you could just tell the season's early. The stat sheet's kind of flipped. Who's leading the league is kind of crazy right now. The defensemen are leading in points. You won't see this going forward for a couple more weeks, but it is really nice to show that it's more than just a day or two long. This is a couple weeks, maybe a month or two streak we got going on. So this is pretty prolonged, sustained, excellent play from teams like, you know, maybe the Oilers or individual efforts from John Carlson and Dreisaitl and some of these other players. It's incredible. So, Daniel, what games do we have coming up? So, actually, this afternoon, as we said before, we have our matinee game with the New York Rangers, the one that Kyle has predicted the Preds are going to win, which means we will probably <laughs> lose now, uh, followed by the Detroit Red Wings on Monday. So, a.k.a. just put um, put an L. Get ready for another L. Put an L right there. That'll be uh, probably four of the eight points they currently have. Um, no, get wrecked, anyway, Matt. <laughs> yeah, they know they can always pick up points on the Preds games, but that's about it. So uh, then we're going to move on to Colorado, which is going to be an interesting game. I feel like this one would have had more weight had, you know, had Landis Gog and Rantanen been, you know, present for this game. So this is not going to be a true all-telling game. And you also have Forsberg, Andy Shane coming back from injury. So they're still trying to find their place. Honestly, I think that would be an incredible series. Colorado and the Predators in the playoffs, 
sign me up. Yeah, that would I'm, be high flying action. You're talking about two teams that can score goals. That I'm, would be it. I'm all in on Colorado this year. It, you you could twist my arm, and I would have no problem saying uh, putting my bet on Colorado to win the cup this year. I'd have no problem with that. Love their well, play. it'll it'll depend on their injuries. I yeah. think largely because the Preds, as we've seen, obviously have the scoring depth, but Colorado, their top line. I mean that that's what drives it. And if they're not fully healthy, they're not going to be they're not going to be winning. Uh, so we're going to follow the Colorado game with the San Jose Sharks in San Jose, and then another tough game against Vancouver, followed by another one with Chicago at home. So. It's going to be a tough stretch here over the next two weeks because we struggle against, obviously, Detroit, and some of these teams are really good, like Colorado, uh, Vancouver, and the Sharks. I'm never counting them out. They've underperformed this year so far, but they have a talented roster, especially with adding Marlowe back. I've, I feel like they've gotten a little bit of their swag back. So uh, it should be an interesting two weeks, and then we'll be recording again. Yeah, I think if any team's going to bounce back this season, it's going to be San Jose. Yeah. They're just a good team. Yeah. I, I, I just I can't see them – being in the gutter for the entire year. I know Kane was out for several of their first games, and then signing Marlowe again, I feel like, really helped them. They're still 25th in the league right now, which is a little shocking. 14 games played and only nine points. Yeah, they're going to uh, find their swagger back. Th- they're, they're not going to be down that yeah, long. Yeah, they're, they're down there with the Red Wings right now, 14 games at nine points. So Keep I, that I, seat warm for them. Yeah, I just, don't, I just don't see it staying there the entire year. But I will say this, though. We're 14 games in. They need to pick up the pace now. Like It's starting to get to where you don't want to dig yourself so large of a hole that even if you go on a nice win streak, you can't claw back out of it because this league is competitive this year. Yeah, when Thanksgiving comes around, if they're still not doing too hot, I think it's going to be the season for them. (sighs) Yeah, we'll see. This month is really going to be a telltale month for the San Jose Sharks, but still like their team, like their roster. I still think they're a playoff team, but they just got to kick it into gear here soon. Well, guys, that's been the show for us today. Thank you so much for listening to us on the Penalty Box Radio Network. Until next time, we'll see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.